0: This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Our scripture this morning is from the Holy Gospel according to John, John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, rabboni which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Even in resurrection, friends, hope remains elusive. Early on the first day of the week, our text begins, While it was still dark. And it seems fitting, doesn't it, that our Easter narrative starts out this way, this year. While it was still dark. Because after the year we've had, I'm not sure if anything else would seem fitting. We're almost out of the tunnel and vaccines are being administered and yet COVID cases are on the rise. While it was still dark. We nearly saw our democracy in ruins, overcame it, yet voter suppression laws are showing up in far too many states. While it was still dark. We saw a black man under the knee of a police officer for nearly nine minutes. We raised our voices in protest, and yet we are wary that he may go free while it was still dark. We saw immigrants mistreated again and again by a callous administration, voted in a new one touting compassion toward all, and yet we still see so many suffering while it was still dark. We know this setting, don't we? We understand this Easter, one where death and disappointment are still fresh, too fresh in the air. The picture remains bleak even in this new day, even in this new week. Easter morning begins in the shadows. The shadows of the powers that be. The shadows of all that we had hoped for crashing down. And just as it was women who stood by Jesus in his last hours, it is here again a woman who comes to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, she's so startled by what she sees, or rather doesn't see, that she runs and tells the disciples. They run and check it out and then return home. But verse 11 tells us that Mary remains. She remains at the tomb weeping, shaken, for the love that had been among them a while had been taken from them brutally. This love which had nearly blinded them now causes her eyes to burst with tears. This love which had healed them now causes a great pain over its absence. This love which had embraced the most broken and rejected among them leaves her heart broken in its wake. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. The verse then says, As She wept. As she wept, she bent over to look, and her vision, clouded by tears, or perhaps made clearer by them, sees two angelic figures in white. Now, the other disciples, the men, did not see these figures, but neither do we read that they were weeping. Perhaps such visitations are reserved for those deepest in sorrow, the tears themselves, perhaps the lenses needed to refract and catch a glimpse of heaven. These angelic visitors say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Did you catch the echo there of her earlier statement? though before it was the Lord and we do not know. Now it is my Lord and I do not know. Her search is becoming personal, and yet halfway through our text, Mary remains in the dark. Now, we're given no further word or response from these angels. And then verse 14 says, After she had said this, she turned around. The phrase turned around uh, here shows up elsewhere in John's gospel to mean those who turn away from Jesus, those who turn away from faith, those who can no longer follow because it's just too difficult, it's just too impossible Mary has hit rock bottom. She's ready to call off the search. She's accepted defeat. And yet it is in this moment of utter defeat, this moment of giving up, of quitting. It's this moment that leads to discovery. I wonder if you can relate And so as she turns away in defeat, she sees a man standing there, but it still doesn't register. The light has not yet dawned. This man repeats the question of the angel's woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And as Mary weeps, we also might Weep. Her lord had been killed and now was missing, and as my friend Jorge put it, his bones were broken, flesh torn, blood shed. He literally suffocated as water from his body filled his lungs, all because he opposed those in power who kept establishing laws policies and beliefs that marginalized those with darker skin, those who had different abilities, women, sexual minorities, those without citizenship, those of a different ethnicity, and he lived his life to oppose that system. This gruesome murder approved by the state of Jesus' time was carried out because he who questioned power and fought for justice had to be silenced. Beautifully put, Jorge, Mary is weeping because this man, who had lived such an astonishing life of love among the forgotten, rejected, and neglected, this man had been killed, and now, to add insult to injury, she couldn't even find his body to give him a proper burial. In Mary's weeping, we hear the weeping of every mother who has had to bury a child or a loved one during this pandemic. We hear in her cries, in her tears, the cries of black mothers as every 28 hours, police murder a black body without any consequences for the killer. We hear in her weeping our own grief at loss of friends and loved ones, our own grief at injustice and oppression In Mary's weeping, we hear the weeping of a world in mourning. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you weeping for? Then very deliberately, the text tells us that she supposes him to be the gardener. Now, if she supposes him to be the gardener or a gardener, the gospel of John is telling us that all of this is taking place in a garden. And interestingly, it's the only gospel that mentions this context. In the Bible, a garden is a place of both intimacy and betrayal. And indeed, the biblical story, of course, begins in a garden. God walking with humanity, then searching for humanity who were hiding. The garden is also the place where Jesus struggles in prayer and is then betrayed with a kiss and then arrested. Intimacy and betrayal newness and struggle in a garden. The story of Scripture opens in Genesis 1 in sacred time. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. Seven days that cultivate in a garden. And here we have another sacred time, the first day of a new week, After seven days, we consider the next day to be day one of a new week, but we could also suppose it to be an eighth day. A new era. A new garden. John is telling us that something new is afoot, even though it was still dark. A new day is dawning, And this new day also begins in a garden, but not with a man. No, this new day begins with a woman. And it begins not with the proclamation, let there be light, but it begins, doesn't it, in darkness and with tears. So, it gives me such, it's just so fitting her. She says, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. You can feel her desperation, her exasperation in this moment. And with a simple word, Jesus opens her eyes and her heart. Mary. Mary. And once again, the text says she turns. But remember, she has already turned and is presumably already facing Jesus. And so this second turn represents an inward turn, a turn of the heart. Could it be the one who captured them with such a generous spirit and smile? Could it be the one whose stories delighted and confounded? Could it be the one who shared his bread with the poorest among them? Could it be the one who taught of a new economy based on trust of God and neighbor? Could it be the one who refuted the religious establishment and defied political leadership? Could it really be this one who was last seen forgiving those who were brutal? Him and putting him to death, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Could it be? Yes, it is. At last, Mary realizes the light is shining on this new day, that hate will not have the last word, that love has risen. And she says to him, "Rabbi" or teacher, an acknowledgement that at last she understands. At last she understands. She is now open to being taught. The light has begun to dawn. And Jesus replies, do not hold on to me. Am I as yet not ascended? An interesting response, and the rendering in Greek is awkward, and that translation, you heard me say, is is a little awkward as well. Do not hold on to me. Am I as yet not ascended? Which means, have I not already ascended? In other words, this new mode of existence is not going to be the former presence that I had among you. This is the kind of presence that can appear in visions, such as to Paul on the road to Damascus, or among the disciples on the road to Emmaus. a presence that can arrive suddenly and unexpectedly where two or three are gathered. Yes, it is me, Mary, but do not hold on to me. And of course, it is tempting on Easter to hold on tightly to Jesus, or to a certain version of Jesus. It is tempting to fixate on specific details of how a person who was killed could then be alive, to get into the weeds of the laws of nature and get into arguments about how this proves one thing or another. And yet, of course, these modern questions are not really the point of John's resurrection account, nor of the earliest Christian faith. German theologian and peace activist Dorothy Sowella, whose poem we read earlier, says, if my hands are occupied in holding on to something, I can neither give nor receive. Right? If we're holding on to something, our hands are closed. Jesus says, do not hold on to me because he wants us to have open hands. I was with you for a while, Mary, but do not hold on to me. The resurrection is about the vindication of Jesus, of his life, and of his work. It is God's yes to all of that. And the new presence of Jesus can now be found where? In his followers, in us. Go to my brothers and sisters and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Yes, if we want to find Jesus, let us look among those who continue his work of love and liberation. And Mary Magdalene went and announced these things to the disciples. And she, a woman, please note that, church, a woman becomes the first apostle of the resurrected Christ. A woman out of darkness, amidst tears, turns to joy as she experiences the light. And yet, note this is not a triumphalistic joy. It is joy amid continued tears and struggle. And so, friends, if Easter is about anything, it's about allowing and letting this joy into our hearts. This radical love that's willing to put everything on the line for the weakest and most disenfranchised among us. It is about refusing to let the powers that be determine the course of our lives and about letting our hearts explode with love and light even while it is still dark. Amen. And namaste.